Hello and welcome to Women of Silicon Valley, the podcast. Today I'm joined by Idai Olivas. Idai is a former Google intern and current student at MIT. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, this will be fun. So for starters, could you tell me a bit about the path that led you to where you are now? Um, it's definitely a very long and unconventional path, to say the least. Um, I'm a daughter of immigrants. Uh, they're both from Mexico, and you know they work average jobs. My mom's a housekeeper. My dad's a landscaper. But they wanted to be in the U.S. to give a better opportunity for my brothers and me. Um, and they sacrificed a lot for that. But throughout my life, they always emphasized the importance of education. And education was definitely like what got me to where I am today in many ways. I think the first thing that propelled my future forward was being a part of this program called Horizons. It's a national summer program that is hosted at independent schools. And they focus on academic excellence because a lot of kids tend to fall back over the summer when they're not engaging you know, their brain in any way. Um, yeah. So they keep you ahead and also just provide a lot of great resources. And then through Horizons, I was able to uh, learn about and attend Colorado Academy, which is a private school in Colorado and one of the best. So my parents really did everything they could to get me to attend CA. I got a scholarship, got in, and I started going there in middle school. And I came from Napa Elementary, which is a small public school in my neighborhood that doesn't have many resources. So going to CA, like a whole world opened up that I didn't really realize was there. It was full of a lot of white wealthy kids who mm -hmm you know, never really had to struggle in life. Um, and it was such a culture shock, but I continued excelling academically at CA. So eventually everything else fell into place and I started feeling comfortable and finding my friends there. So yeah, I continued to attend CA. Um, that's how I learned about computer science and started programming. And eventually the college process started I was really nervous. I'm a first generation student. I had no idea what to expect. And my parents didn't know what to expect either. They didn't even know what college looked like. At that point, they didn't know what MIT was. I had to like explain to them why I wanted to go to MIT and why I was applying. But uh, luckily like CA, and I had like a whole ne network of people around me that wanted to see me succeed and helped me apply so we have college counselors at ca um kathy was my college counselor she walked me through every single step of the way helped me apply to flying programs so i can learn about different colleges helped me with the financial aid application which is a whole beast in and of itself oh it is it's it's a nightmare <laughs> <laughs> yeah it took a long time there's so many paperwork i need to get done it's like adding a second college application to your mm -hmm. college application um so yeah she helped me a lot also i have a really good friend whose family actually took me out to boston so i toured mit campus 
with my family, her family, because my family wasn't able to take me here to Boston. Yeah. Um, and then my parents, like, although they didn't understand the college process, they were my biggest supporters. They never told me to, you know, not dream big. They encouraged me to apply to MIT, even though, like, I never thought I would get into MIT because who thinks they're going to get into MIT? <laughs> but uh, I ended up applying and I ended up getting into MIT, which I never dreamed was possible. Um, but because everyone around me was super supportive, it helped me gain the confidence to, you know, have the courage to apply. And the day I got in was surreal. There was so many happy tears, not just from my family and me, but from everyone around us. Aww. Like Kathy, my college counselor, told me that she was at her daughter's game. And I, when I called her and she literally screamed at everyone around her, I was like, wait, what's wrong? She's like, no, my, my student just got into MIT. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was a really good day. Um, but then getting into MIT, you know, was just one step of the process. Getting here, I still felt a little bit of imposter syndrome. because mm -hmm. Everyone here is kind of like, how did I get here? Um, but I found my people. I am a part of SHIP, which is the Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers. Nice. And I think, yeah, like being a part of SHIP has really allowed me to feel comfortable because I never really see other Hispanics in STEM, um, especially other Latin women. Um, and it's such a good supportive community here. Um, through SHIP is actually how I ended up getting an internship at Google because I met people in SHIP my freshman fall and SHIP has a national conference where Google attends a national conference. Mm -hmm. And someone in SHIP, yeah, he was an upperclassman. I think he was a junior at the time. He was telling me about the, it, it was called the engineering practicum program when I was there. I think it has a different name now. It, it does, um, and and even I don't know what it is. I was also an engineering <laughs> practicum intern, and I cannot remember for the life of me what they changed it to. <laughs> yeah, I I've met people who do the EP program now, and I still don't remember what they're called. Um, yep. So yeah, he encouraged me to apply to the EP program because um, I already had some programming background. Um, I had done a, like a internship at a startup already so he thought I had a really good chance at Google encouraged me to apply actually filled out the application like the day before it was due <laughs> I remember we were back in our hotel room and everyone else was napping while I was applying to the EP program um, but then after I got interviews all the upperclassmen were willing to help me prep and walk me through the process and I ended up getting an offer um, and then since then, it just, it's been a lot of open doors through having Google and MIT on my resume. It just allowed me to gain confidence and know that anything is possible. That's fantastic. And that's, that's such a testament to the hard work that you put in. And also, it's so clear, even though you were the trailblazer going out ahead of, of everything and having to take all of these first steps and you know being first generation in, in college. Um, you also had this amazing 
community supporting you, which is so nice to hear. For those in similar positions right now who are, you know, looking at applying to colleges or looking at trying to get one of those big tech internships at a company like Google, what advice would you give? What do you wish that that you had known that you would tell your younger self in going through that? Um, I would say that anything is possible and dream big, even if others tell you not to. Like, even though I did have a big support system, there were still always people who said, oh no, like, don't, you're, you'll never get into MIT or things, just comments that in the end of the day don't really matter because what matters is what you want and the people who you care about are going to be there in a supportive way. And the other people who aren't supportive just don't really matter. Yes, I totally agree. And since you now, because of all of this hard work, have more doors open to you, is there a next step that you're excited about? I, I'm not really sure. I'm mm -hmm. in my last semester at MIT, so I've been focusing on that. Um, I decided to graduate in December uh, mm -hmm. because of the whole COVID situation. Yeah. So right now I'm just focusing on graduating <laughs> and then uh, probably looking for a job after I graduate, but I'm just taking everything as it comes because I feel like especially right now, it's hard to plan super ahead. Yes, for sure. Yeah, it's it's almost better to kind of think of things in shorter period sprints almost like, okay, what do I need to get done this week or even this day and just focusing on that and then just repeating that process. It's a lot harder to plan multiple months out right now. Yeah, I think that's the biggest lesson I learned after COVID is that even no matter how much planning you do, you can't predict a pandemic. So there's no point in really trying to control everything because you can't. Very true. And there's also no point preparing for um, a potential bad scenario because it's not going to help you in the end. And none of us were prepared for for this international pandemic and 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 shutdown, but we're still here. We're still you know, getting through each day, even if it's an incredibly strange time. Yeah, you just have to appreciate the little things nowadays. And I think that's what gets us through. Yeah, it sounds like you've perhaps had a chance to be kind of learning some lessons during this time, which is, is always a good thing to make the most out of a bad scenario. Is there a major mental shift or, or takeaway aside from your realization that planning is sometimes not the most useful thing? Um, I don't know. It's just been a very interesting time to be a college senior. I feel like my life has probably changed more than any other people right now, just because back in March, I got kicked off campus and had to go back home. Yeah. So at, back then I thought, oh, just my junior year, at least I, you know, don't have to, I might have a graduation, you know, the class of 2020 didn't get that. And then as the summer progressed, it just became like, oh, am I going to have a senior year? <laughs> What's oh, going to happen? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was a, a lot of change over the summer, but I've just come to appreciate 
what I do have, like I have my close friends who I get to live with um, right now. I, my family's healthy. I can still learn during this time, which without any distractions, without like having to worry about providing for my family, which a lot of kids don't have that luxury right now. Yeah. I think that that's a, a great way to lean into the gratitude mindset and with dealing with that. But yeah, it, it was incredibly difficult. The, I think a, a big factor was initially we thought, okay, this will be over after a short period of time. So, you know, if we make it to, at first I was thinking, oh, in a few weeks, it will be back to normal. And then I was thinking, okay, well, definitely by May, by like, by the beginning of summer, we'll be back yeah. to normal. And as it's continued getting more and more dragged out, it is, it is difficult. There's this feeling of mourning in terms of these normal events we look forward to. And so the fact that you're able to, to some extent, maintain a, a positive mindset is, it's really impressive because it's, it's not easy right now. It's a, it's a rough time in the world. Yeah, I think it's come with years of practice. <laughs> you know, my life hasn't been super easy. So I've just learned how to lean on the people close to me and learned that I can only control what I can control and why am I worried about everything else? Yeah. What's it been like being back on campus now? How is MIT handling that? I am genuinely surprised at how well MIT is handling everything. I have to get tested twice a week, which I don't mind for you know the safety of everyone. Mm -hmm. We live in pods, so I only get to really interact with my close six friends, which is fine because they're my core group of friends that I always lead on. Mm -hmm. But overall, it's definitely not the senior year I imagined back when I was a freshman. But at the end of the day, I'm just happy that I still am able to graduate this semester. Yeah, that sounds like a really good way of handling it because then you're able to still see people in person who you know and mm -hmm. care about. And I'm glad that MIT is handling it that well because that sounds like a, a better <laughs> approach than even you know, some of some of the ways that upper level government's been handling it. So good on MIT. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if anyone was going to handle this in any way, it was MIT. So yeah, I'm pretty happy that I go here and their plan wasn't just, let's see what happens this semester. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not really ever what you want to hear from any decision making group is, is let's see what happens. <laughs> Yeah, some other colleges had way too much trust in their students. They just didn't test anyone. Everyone was just living like it was a normal semester and then they ended up getting sent back home. Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> you mentioned the, yeah. the you mentioned the core group of um, friends that you can lean on. Do you also have mm -hmm. uh, people you consider sort of your quote unquote road warriors. So people in your network who have been through similar situations to you that you can reach out to for advice. I've actually found it hard to find anyone who's been in a similar situation as me. Yeah. So I tend to just go to many people for different types of situations. Mm -hmm. But overall, 
the person I always go to is my mom, even yeah. though she doesn't always understand like what I do for a living. She doesn't really know what a software engineer is, but she's always there for me to tell me what I need to hear, not necessarily what I want to hear. Which I definitely need people like that in my life. Which mm-hmm. is, if I just always was told what I wanted to hear, then I wouldn't be learning anything or wouldn't be growing in any way. Since you are in such a unique situation, do you feel like that's built up your resilience and bravery over time, having to really, you know, blaze your own trail, create your own path through a lot of uncertainty? Yeah, definitely. Like working at Google, working at all these tech companies, like I never see anyone who looks like me. And so I've just, even though I'm not happy that I'm comfortable with it, I've become comfortable being the only one in the room. Um, Mm -hmm. And I definitely want to see more people like me, especially in leadership, um, because, you know, we're starting to grow more. Um, Well, uh, we as in Latinx women in STEM. But, you know, there's still a lack of people who look like me in leadership and people who look like me making big decisions. So I definitely, you know, want to see more of that. And I'm happy that I can contribute to that in any way. You know, I try to help the people who are coming up like me and we all just have to lean on each other. Yes. Well, you serve as an amazing role model for the next generation of of women in STEM. So that's already something that's really powerful. Uh, Is there a point in kind of the process of someone getting into STEM where you think that the most additional work needs to be done? Like, should there be more diversity focus in elementary school or in extracurricular programs? If you were to invest extra resources into one of those areas or one point in that, you know, development process, what, what do you think is most key? I think it definitely starts when kids are young, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, you have like your career days and all the guys want to be engineers and all the girls don't know what an engineer is. Uh, So I think we definitely have to start young. The only reason I found out what computer science was, was because I attended a private school who had computer science classes. This isn't the case for pretty much everyone in the country. Um, I think, well, first of all, our education system like <laughs> needs a lot of other things, but overall, like, I think you need to start incorporating more STEM education, especially when it comes to programming, because yeah. Yeah, our world is headed that way. Our, t- our world revolves around tech especially right now, you know, we're sitting here through a virtual screen and, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone relies on tech. So it makes sense that our education needs to go that way. Especially like if you learn young, well, computer science is that you can program, that it's something you can do. It definitely gives you the confidence, even if you don't become a software engineer to maybe learn about other STEM fields or learn that you don't want to be in STEM because arts are also important. Uh, yes. It just, you need to like, our education really needs to be better early on. Um, because if I went to public school, I don't think I would be where I am today just because I wouldn't know what computer science was. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I I mean, the way that I found out for the first time what engineering was, it was pretty late in high school that I heard about it at all. And that's not the case with other areas of study. Kids are introduced to those those kind of professions and those fields so much earlier in a much more casual way. And then I feel mm -hmm. math and science, you don't get to see how those fields could be applied to engineering of all different kinds. And it's not so much about saying, oh, you have to go into this field, but it's saying, here, here is the full spectrum of options. And now that you know everything, you can choose which one fits your interest best. Yeah, exactly. Like I was always good at math, but it wasn't until sophomore year of high school that I realized what I could do with math or with STEM. And that was only because, you know, one of my female teachers was like, oh, here's a thing called Python. And here's a class that you can learn it. Now, yeah. you know, I'm here at MIT. <laughs> Do you have a favorite programming language? That's a hard one. <laughs> I, I, I mean, Python mm -hmm. is the one I probably use the most because that's what we use here at MIT for all our introduction classes. And it's also the language I learned first. However, I think Java is just cleaner and it makes more sense to me for software engineering or versus Python just is, I think, a good introduction language. <laughs> yes, I, I would tend to agree. Those two are definitely my favorites, although there's something just so satisfying about any kind of web development, how modifying HTML or CSS or JavaScript and TypeScript can automatically show really nice visual changes. But yeah, I, yeah. I agree. I'm actually learning web development for the first time this semester. <laughs> yeah, I'm learning JavaScript. It's actually a more confusing language than I initially thought, but mm -hmm. you can do some super cool things cool things with it. So I'm I'm excited to learn more about it. There's a great set of books that I actually use to learn how to do web development, and they're by John Duckett. Um, and one is on HTML and CSS, and the other one's on JavaScript. But they're really they're they're good in terms of content, but they're also just gorgeous pr presentation in the book. So I'm sure MIT has a great set of materials. But if you want additional additional books, those are really good ones. I'll send you that the, great. I'll the that. title that yeah. way, yeah. Um, to kind of pivot us a little bit, I'm going to move us into the rapid fire Q&A section. So some so quicker, short little questions. Uh, so to start, uh, what app do you use the most? I, I mean, I spend way too much time on my phone more than I should, but I gravitate towards Spotify a lot. I mm -hmm. love music. I listen to music when I code. I also really got into podcasts over quarantine. So that's been my podcast app. Nice. Yeah, it's it's a I'm a huge fan of the Spotify app. Do you have a favorite podcast you've discovered aside aside from <laughs> Silicon Valley the podcast? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I did discover it and I do listen to it. But um uh, besides that I I oh I discovered Tech Setters. Mm. Um, it's by two 
girls who I think are around my age, one of I think they're Harvard grads, but they talk to women in tech who are in leadership positions. And it's super interesting. Um, you learn about many different fields. Um, I, I enjoy it. That sounds incredible. I'm going to definitely have to check that out. <laughs> Uh, yeah. What is uh, what's something small you do on a regular basis to feel more inspired? I think recently just going outside. <laughs> I like to go on walks, which is why I got into podcasts. But also if I'm not listening to podcasts, I just it's like my time to think and process and, you know, really be just with myself. Mm -hmm. It sounds like this will tie into the next question, which is what what's your favorite analog or non-tech activity? Well, I also really enjoy reading. I've always enjoyed reading and I always have a book I'm reading. Do you have a recent one that's at the top of the list? I'm currently reading Dune. So I love reading sci-fi and I've heard it's like, you know, one of the best sci-fi books. But it's been slow, not gonna lie. <laughs> so I, I'm getting through it. It's really interesting. It's just not as fast paced as I imagined it would be. Okay, I'll keep that in mind because that one's been on my radar recently. I'll, I'll remember that it's not a super quick read. <laughs> yeah, I've also, because the movie's coming out soonish, mm -hmm. I think. So I wanted to read it before that. Yeah, that makes sense. And um, mm -hmm. kind of as a, as a closing bonus question, what are you excited about personally that's coming up? I'm excited to graduate. Yeah. <laughs> and be done with school. <laughs> I think after so many years of doing schoolwork, it's gonna be interesting shift to not have to be busy all the time. Yes, yeah. And that'll be such a, a huge accomplishment. So I'm, I'm very excited to see what the next chapter looks like. I, I know it's going to be great. And I know you'll probably be continuing to be the first of insert impressive thing here. So it's going to be really great. <laughs> thank you. And thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast. This has been great. And I've really appreciated you taking the time for this. Thank you so much for having me.